It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's show, should the Cleveland Cavaliers be buyers at the trade deadline? New reporting suggests they might be. Let's talk about that, the Donovan Mitchell part of it, and get you ready for Cavs Nets on a new episode of Locked On Cavs. You are Locked On Cavs, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com backslash locked in NBA and use code all lowercase locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always, for his work on productions. Today's show is going to largely focus on the trade deadline, which is a little bit less. Then a month away, we're going to look at some new reporting for Mark Stein in segment one and two, kind of detailing Cavs' needs, if they're going to be buyers, if their recent play should push them into being buyers and all of that. And then segment three, Cavs' Nets Thursday afternoon in Paris. We'll talk about that game previewed, what's at stake there, the vibe we're looking for, all of that and more coming up in segment three to get you ready for Cavs International. But Evan, to start with... The Cavs being buyers. When you think about them based on being eight and three without Garland and Mobley and the recent run they've had, and Mark, this reporting from Mark Stein suggests the recent play has perhaps made the Cavs think they should be more aggressive. They're feeling emboldened, is the word Stein used in his Substack reporting to suggest what the Cavs might be more willing to do at this deadline. Should they, in your mind, be buyers based on this recent run of play that we've seen? I mean, Yes, I always felt that they should be aggressive leading up to the deadline to maybe make upgrades on the margins. We, we've talked about this at length on the show now. It's a wing that can play the three or the four and also stretch the floor and give you a little bit of that rebounding edge that sometimes the Cavs need. Um, not Kevin. Rebounding, I don't know, either way. Um, but yeah, I think it is encouraging at least to see the Cavs are remaining competitive. Like credit where credit sue, JB Bickerstaff has not lost the faith of this locker room, despite you know just blow after blow after blow this team has dealt with to start the season and continues to deal with. And I think that eight and three mark certainly does give you reason for optimism if you're Cleveland, just because like hey, uh, our best player in Donovan Mitchell and our All Star big man and Jared Allen have been stepping up. Let's continue to accentuate and round out this rotation, but. The, right now, the Cavs are a team that technically have 13 players under contract. I think Craig Porter Jr. is that two-way guy who's in that gray space. Just because he's on a two-way, he's technically not under contract. But they do have two open roster spots that they could play around with and kind of maybe do something fun with. And some guys they can work with on the margins, whether it's like Dean Wade or um, Karis LeVert if they wanted to get really spicy with it. But I, I have my doubts they move LeVert. Um, but yeah, like... If the long plan is to convince Donovan Mitchell to sign here long term, you need to remain aggressive. You need to keep making these quote unquote winning moves to make Mitchell feel satisfied and feel like the team isn't being like complacent um, when they need to be more dynamic than static, especially, you know, when they do have a legitimate shot to crack into the top four of the Eastern Conference. 
maybe even the top three when they are healthy. I would distinguish, I, I think, this in a couple ways. I think buying makes sense. I think trying to add and not be the Hawks and maybe take some kind of a step back and really reset your team right now, I don't think that's where I would go. I also, Evan, would not look at this run and think that is the reason that I am back. No. I think that's where I would draw the line. I think if you're saying 8-3, and three, this run, the way they're playing, let's buy because of that, I think that would be a mistake. I think that's how you can get ahead of yourself. I think some mm-hmm. of the stuff they're doing now is not going to scale when you get to the playoffs. Like, Sam Merrill, as good as he has been, I don't really know if that's a playoff guy. I don't know if some of what they're doing is how they can even play when they get everyone back, which is a bigger philosophical roster question they're going to have to, I think, address at some point. But I think trying to buy makes sense. I think trying to improve on certain spots makes sense. This is a group that I think very much wants to make up for last year. We've known that since, I think, the day the season ended last year. I think the question is how aggressively can they buy is more than anything else. And we'll get into needs more in segment two and kind of what they're looking for. And I think also why that's not necessarily the easiest thing to be shopping for, given the state of the league and given their assets. But buying makes sense. I think how how much they try to buy will be interesting. They don't have a ton of stuff. I think they're going to be competing against other teams. But I think considering they're 21 and 15 right now, that's even with Miami and Indiana. That's a half a game ahead of Orlando, who's 21 and 16. It's right behind the Knicks, who are 22 and 15. They're very much in the thick of it for a top four seed in the East. You have guys right now that are good. You've maximized whatever this little run is with all these injuries. Buying makes sense. And I, I think and the only way they shouldn't not buy is if they got into a place where like Atlanta got, where, they're four, where they were like well under 500 right now and, and staring down something much worse than they are right now. Yeah, I think that's the discussion you and I had in the wake of the Mobley and Garland news is uh, this team could be dramatically different if they don't dig deep and find a way to win. Like J.B. Vickers' death could be gone. Maybe Jared Allen's traded. Maybe Donovan Mitchell makes his intents not to resign here more clear. But I agree with you. Like the eight and three run is encouraging. I think it's just kept them afloat record wise. But also, like you mentioned it, they are behind the New York Knicks who are five and oh after acquiring OG Ananobi. Like the Knicks made a power move to separate themselves a little bit from that group of Cleveland, New York, Indiana, um, Miami, and Orlando, just to maybe give themselves a little bit more breathing room or also just, you know, get them that top four spots. So at least they have home court through the first round. And Cleveland um, will have to be kind of pra- or dynamic, pragmatic, I think is the word I was going for as well, just in terms of how they can do this with their limited assets. I do think Stein is known to this, and I, I think it's been well reported at this point. It, it's going to be, it remains to be seen what teams are willing to be the quote unquote sellers or willing to talk shop at the deadline. Like, still surprised, but also not surprised that the Pistons are trying to make a move. I know they are in the mix for Pascal Siakam, according to reports. So we'll see where that goes. But you have to look at the scope in the canvas of the league. And like you said, where the Cavs need to make an upgrade. It's kind of few and far between unless Cleveland is willing to crack a couple bigger eggs that they may have that, at least to me, seem a little bit foolhardy to move, um, especially when you scale this back up. So what would you say? What eggs are you to, what, let's be specific? What eggs are you referring to? Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, um, unless like you get like a dramatic even Max Strews, if you wanted to entertain those conversations, too. I mean, your untouchables on this team are Mobley, Mitchell, and Garland. I think Allen, 
again, you have to get a very, very strong offer to be convinced to move him and really shake things up like that, especially with how well he's playing. But the the Cavs are top heavy. They have to be mindful of the fact that they are almost in the luxury tax threshold and they have limited assets. And I guess some of their more attractive assets, if they're willing to entertain trading them, are Isaac Okoro and Karis Levert. But with how well those two are playing and also like the juice or the return may not be worth it, you have to wonder like what kind of offers Cleveland willing to entertain if those two ever came up in a conversation. And those are the bigger eggs to me because they don't have first rounders to pick trade unless it's like a 20-30 pick swap. Yeah, they can trade their own pick at the draft, but that's obviously not something you can do now. You can, and there's the Mitchell part of it, which Stein again has been the bajillion person report that they're pushing back on trades that they are not going to trade him right now. So that would lead you to think they're going to try to buy. I think that even just that alone would signify this is more of a buying team than not. Because if you're going to keep Mitchell and your goal is to get Donovan Mitchell to sign an extension in the summer, which Stein again is among the other people reported that a lot of people don't think that's going to happen, which again, we'll see where this ends up. You should probably, you kind of have to buy at that point. I think you kind of need to throw some chips in the basket. And again, there's a lot of time until the deadline. We're seeing some deals now. You know, we've seen the OG deal. Um, there's there's the Siakam stuff accelerated and then the and then it seemingly died due to perhaps the leak it getting out and, and annoying someone in, in that process. There's going to be more in the next month, I think, ahead of the deadline. I don't know if anything is massive, but I would be surprised if the Cavs are one of the teams that don't ultimately do some kind of trade based on everything we know and if you just logically think about it for a little bit of time. Coming up next, let's talk about needs. Let's talk about why their big need, a 3 and D wing, is going to be really hard to get within their assets, perhaps. We'll talk about that up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at PrizePix. PrizePix is the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. If you want to play alongside some of PrizePix's favorite players like the rapper Meek Mill or the comedian Andrew Schultz, you can do that now. Right now, go to the Community Plays under the Promos tab of the app to view entries from some of the biggest names in the PrizePix community each week. And PrizePix even offers a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play even if your players get injured. For football and basketball games, if you have a player who exits the game in the first half and does not return in the second, that player is rebooted. Go to prizepix.com backslash LockedInNBA and use our code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepix.com backslash LockedInNBA and promo code LockedInNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePix, daily fantasy sports made easy. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, let's dive into team needs. Stein reported, which is logical, and Chris Haynes has had this as well on their show, this hashtag this league uncut, 
that they are targeting three and D wings. You could come up with a bunch of names. There's a lot of fun names I think Cleveland would really like to have. You think of Royce O'Neal. You think of Dorian Finney-Smith. You think you could, you could find a bunch of other ones. Here's the problem, I think, though, Evan. That is the thing every team that is good is going to want. And I think finding one that they can find the right deal for, that kind of threads a line, threads a needle of getting them better, but not cutting away someone good, I think is the Mm -hmm. hardest part of this. Yeah, it is. And like Brennan Clean proposed the idea of Locked on Suns of like trading an exception Phoenix has and three second round picks to the Houston Rockets to get Deshaun, J- Deshaun Tate. Um, like that, that's a move I guess Cleveland could make if they wanted to maybe give Houston a player instead of that exception. But like, you know, cap relief is kind of underrated and the Cavs have no exceptions to work with to um, <clears throat> grease the wheels of a trade or acquire a player. And like you said, this is a premium commodity to begin with and the Cavs to their credit, did make an offseason move to go get two guys, at least that can fit the three-point shooting mold of that um, with Struess and Niang. I think the defensive stuff and the three-point shooting stuff is starting to kind of match with um, Okoro. Just, you wish he would take more threes, though. Um, it's just hard because, again, like a lot of teams aren't really readily willing to give that up unless like you're willing to give up something of value in return or... The, the, like the Cavs are just too asset strapped just to make like a picks for player type trade and also financially they're too strapped to do a, make a trade like that the financial part of it is also just interesting because it's not been fully I, I we don't exactly 100% know what the Rubio what Rubio yeah. created uh, Brian Windhorst did say on the Hoop Collective that he gave a back about half so let's just assume they have about mid-level exception money now under there that means depending on what they, let's say, convert Craig Porter Jr.'s contract to and they still have an open roster spot, you could do something with. I also just think the guys that I would want to trade on this roster, it's like Dean Wade at 5.7, and then you have Ty Jerome at 2.4, and you have Damian Jones at 2.3. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the guys I'm looking to move. Okoro would be an easier salary to do something with at 8.9. Bigger number to match. It's like more one-to-one, let's say, with like a Royce O'Neal in Brooklyn. But I kind of would just rather keep Okoro than not. I don't think you're trading Struess. I don't think you're trading Levert. I think it would take something crazy and I think more likely in the offseason for a Jared Allen trade if that comes to fruition. Mm-hmm. Niang, I think you could see a world, but I think it would have to be uh, the right deal because I think that guy's been really loved in the locker room and I think they like the shooting. There's a reason they went on and paid what they did for him to some degree. Correct. Wade is kind of the... W- is to me at the fringe of where I'm looking salary-wise, but then you're definitely stacking in one of the guys in the back of the roster. I mean, Damian Jones doesn't like matter to this team. That's kind of like the, the part of this. It's like some of those guys in the end don't exactly matter, so you could just trade them, and it's not really a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is going to take some stacking and some, some creativity. For what it's worth, Damian Jones and Dean Wade to Brooklyn – for Royce O'Neal does work salary-wise. The Cavs take back a little bit more money. It's like $1 million extra, so you'd have to consider that. And that is an expiring contract, so you'd have to certainly... It Maybe the picks is less... Like that, to me, is kind of the deal you're hoping for, is that the market breaks in a certain way where you could just stack two guys that are fine for you, get someone else, and maybe it's just someone that isn't an A-plus get, but it's like a B, B-minus kind of get. 
Yeah, and I think the, the Cavs aren't looking to hit home runs at the trade deadline. They're looking to get singles or at least, you know, three wa- uh, 3-0 count, then they get the fourth walk to go to first base. Like, they're looking for something simple that can give you a rotation-level player, like um, locked on NBA internally, is putting together the trade deadline doc of, like, what teams are looking for. And I just listed like a three and D, a three and D wing that also has the capability to play the four. Emphasis on three. Um, you know, if you're able to find like a third guard just to kind of be in the mix between Craig Porter Jr. and just this third guard back up Darius Garland, I think that's always just like nice to have that added insurance, especially because Garland is a little bit fragile and injury prone at times. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, you're not looking to make like a home run move here. You're kind of looking to upgrade maybe on just some of the misses you had in the offseason. In this case, it's Damian Jones just because it just does. He doesn't fit with what the Cavs are doing or like Ty Jerome, because unfortunately he's unable to just to get healthy for the Cavs. And if you're able to upgrade on that roster spot, what's interesting to me with that trade you proposed is that still gives Cleveland like two open roster spots, even after they sign Craig Porter Jr. to a standard contract. And then, like, you would turn to the buyout market to see, like, okay, what veterans are on the market that could, you know, be that veteran presence or maybe a guy who can give us a little bit of juice on the back end of things. Or maybe they sign a guy from the G League who's been been performing very, very well for them, too. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting ways to explore this. Um, But, yeah, like, the the Cavs aren't going to make, like, a dramatic wholesale move until this summer at the earliest. And like you said, like, that's a Jared Allen trade um, at that point just because that's more so you want to evaluate the partnership between him and Mobley this season and then maybe make a decision on that pairing this offseason. Would you prefer more of a, a guy who who leans into the three side of it or do you lean into more of the or more of the D side of it? I lean more into the three side of it just because when Evan Mobley is healthy and if you're running like a unit with just him and Allen or just one of those guys, like you have enough defensive coverage from those two. If they get blown past on the perimeter, let them kind of cover it. I think they're both more, mobile more so come defending in space. I think Okoro's really stepped up in that regard. So is Struess and Levert. Like I think the Cavs can kind of not cobble together, but play passable perimeter defense with what they have at times. I just think they need more three-point shooting because that's something you and I talk about quite a bit when it comes to Dean Wade is he take he gives up a couple open looks every game and you wish he ripped it a little bit more um but like he plays fine defense and I think if you can get a guy who can play that passable defense like Wade does not to maybe the level Wade does but with more three-point volume that that's what you're looking for I think it's the three I think even with some of what I think is working right now not being totally one-to-one continued when everyone is healthy. I do think the three-point emphasis has been additive to not just the, the results, but I think you it's it carries over to Struz. It carries over to Niang. It is like this cascading effect of more threes, and you're just also not going to get someone who's perfectly balanced on both sides of the ball in this market at what the Cavs can pay. They're not. You're not going to no. get someone who is like... like OJ you're not getting Mikhail like, Bridges. Like no, a guy like and that, even or even like, yeah, like Cam Johnson, the, yeah, and like Cam Johnson's also just like not a good defender, but it, like someone like Jason Tate. Okay, let's say you go that route. That's more defense. He's shooting thirty three percent from three this year. It's thirty one percent for his career. That's not really a spacer. Royce O'Neal is thirty, and we've from and he's a good shooter. We've known what he is though for a long time, where he's like a solid team defender, but he's not you know an elite 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 defender so you're still you're not getting that that's the kind of thing you're going to get you're going to get something 
that is not one-to-one even on both sides. You're going to get some that tilts more than one way. And I think if you go back even to media day, Evan, what did Kobe Altman say about the moves they made? It was about the offense getting better. It was about improving the offense because they felt that's what failed them in the playoffs. If so, if we're taking that information, the way they played lately, all of that, that would lead me to think that you're not going to see them buy another wing who who is going to get ignored in the playoffs. You're going to probably buy someone who can let it fly. Maybe a a version of Sam Merrill who you feel more confident is going to hold up better in the playoffs. Yeah, and if you wanted to really juice your chances early with Donovan Mitchell, getting one of his best friends from Utah and Royce O'Neal certainly helps your case. And then you could like, you know, just kind of keep doing this small peppering of guys he liked in Utah or whatever, like, or just guys he likes in general. But also Royce O'Neal just makes sense for this team. Like that's a guy we've been talking about for over a year now for the Cavs to try and acquire. And here we are, uh, almost like less, like you said, less than a month away from the trade deadline. And Royce just kind of makes sense for this team. And yeah, if you want to do right by Donovan Mitchell and make him feel more inclined and you're getting his guys, it goes a long way over the summer. Speaking of the Brooklyn Nets, up next, we're going to preview Cavs Nets. And by the way, Brooklyn uh, not playing particularly well as of late. Perhaps that makes them a trade team. It also, I think, makes them a good opponent for Cleveland to continue their recent run of good play. We'll talk about that game up next. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Jace Medical. Jace Medical right now has something to say. And, and like I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just talk for a minute about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin, and that's right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine a more helpless feeling than if someone in my family, you know, a parent, an aunt and uncle, my nieces, my nephews got sick while there was a supply change that kept them from life-saving medication that they needed. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics who treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will then be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off for your order. Again, jacemedical.com, offer code LOCKDOWN to get $20 off your order. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Cavs-Nets, again, that's a afternoon game in Paris. The line right now, VR friends at FanDuel. Cavs are minus three favorites in this game, a pretty standard home favorite. Cavs are technically the home team in this game. Uh, they actually have to do a lot of the production for this game, so you will see some very familiar things on, on the broadcast for this one. 
Uh, minus 156, the Cavs with favorites just straight straight up on the money line. Nets are plus 13200 dogs at last look. Over-under for this game is set at 225.5 again at FanDuel. Check them out right now, by the way. They have great offers for new customers. Evan, this is just another winnable game. The Nets are 3-7 and seven in their last 10. Over the last two weeks, the Nets are 27th in net rating. They are 25th in offense. They are 26th in defense. Cleveland over that span. Cavs are 8th in net rating, 11th in offense, and 5th in defense. Yeah, I mean... You want to come into this one as focused as possible. Um, it's the same trio that's been out for a while for the Cavs. Ty Jerome, who has not played since the home opener, and then also Darius Garland and Evan Mobley. On the Knicks side of things, it's mostly their two-way guys and guys on assignment for the G League. And then also um, Ben Simmons, who is still dealing with nerve issues in his back. So the cards are in Cleveland's at least just to win this game obviously you want to come out ready to go i think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment just because it's a foreign environment um in front of a an international audience there'll be supposedly fifteen thousand plus fans excuse me at this game in paris but i just think the Cavs have the personnel and star power just to kind of make a difference especially now with how well jared allen uh karis levert donovan mitchell especially have been playing like more than equipped just to kind of take care of business against the Nets and then continue this three-game winning streak they're on and come back home and then face Chicago on Monday, another kind of not great team. Like We, we talked about this a bit. Um, the, the Cavs have a bit of a cushion in their schedule right now, which is nice um, because they've just been dealing with so much up and down the start of the season. So this is a nice kind of change of pace, even if it's in a completely different environment. I think they should frankly expect to win this game the three the considering the p- recent play of teams and i know it's overseas and all of that the line feels a little like i would think the Cavs are probably more heavy favorites than three points vegas usually knows better than anybody else but three points feels a little close to me for where i think these teams are just at coming into this game i think honestly the intrigue is is obviously about the game and having watched last year's game in Paris between uh, Chicago and Detroit, like that, that environment was really cool. I do just want to just see what it feels like. It's going to what the, the the energy is like, how the team is both kind of come out. I I think that is going to be really interesting from the get go. Evan, is there something tactically in this game you're looking at? Is there something that to you, you're as far as the basketball goes itself, that you're going to dial in for this one specifically? Um, just what we get from Jared Allen again. I think we saw a really strong performance against San Antonio, um, but we also saw the Cavs kind of take their foot off the gas, kind of you know become a little bit one note down the stretch. Like do the Cavs mix or correct? Excuse me, those pretty not small, but you know smaller in the grand scheme of things mistakes just to kind of course correct against Brooklyn. But I'm also just going to keep an eye on Jared Allen because like he is going up against um, Nick Claxton who isn't the player Allen is like that's an interesting battle just to watch between those two like how do they kind of uh mix and match off of one another how does Allen defend him how does Claxton defend Allen like there's a lot of ways to go back and forth with this and then also what kind of defensive pressure does Brooklyn even though they aren't great defensively as of late but like they do have Spencer Dinwiddie they do have Royce O'Neal they do have Dorian Finney-Smith like they do have guys that can make Mitchell or Struess or even Levert uncomfortable and how do the Cavs kind of diagnose that perimeter pressure and I don't want to say coast but make life easier for themselves in this game I wouldn't worry about Dinwiddie defense I think Mitchell's Mitchell's going to get big eyeballs when he when he gets that guy one-on-one 
I think the the Mitchell Claxton part of it, or the, excuse me, the the Allen Claxton part of it, I think is interesting because if you go back to last year, one of the games that told me Jared Allen was having a weird year was a game against Brooklyn, where Nick Claxton, who was playing really well at the time, physically just I think had his way with Allen in stretches. There we were. I remember I have this image in my head of them under the rim together in Cleveland, and Claxton physically just kicked his butt. That Nick Claxton has not been the same guy this year. I don't think he's been quite as good as he was last year. Maybe some of that's just not having the stars there, but his, his shooting percentage is down. His rebounds are, are a little bit up, but not significantly. You watch him, it's, it doesn't feel like quite the same impact that he was having at his best last year. And I think there's the way Jared Allen's playing, you'd expect him, I think, frankly, to dominate that match. And when he does it again, just continues a really great run for Jared. You can keep telling yourself, Maybe that he's an all-star candidate, and, and that's certainly the kind of thing that will fuel the numbers, at least for him, if he's going to make a late push uh, for an all-star spot this year. But I think that's the right matchup. And also, just any time Donovan is defended by McHale, I think that's always just going to be... Uh, yeah, that... Really... That, that, I mean, that's the guy. I mean, that's if you're talking about a defensive guy that's going to cause issues for Cleveland, it's, it's McHale Bridges one, and it's a larger gap to number two for me. That's that's completely valid. That was a brain fart on my part, but um, yeah, like that'll be a fun matchup too. Um, like Brooklyn has a lot of like really fun rotation, got caliber guys or like high upside role players, like you know, like in that Max Drews vein, or maybe a step above if it's Mikhail Bridges, who I think could be like a very good second or third option on like a high level um championship team, but. And we've seen him as like a third option on a great team, yeah. obviously, in Phoenix, yeah. Yeah, and it's just like the Nets are a very good foundation. I think they are a lot of pieces away to finding what that foundation probably is. But um, yeah, this will be a fun matchup regardless. Like, I, I think if, no matter what, like everyone's going to have a good time in this game. But also, I just kind of expect the Cavs to pull away at some point and then never really look back. These teams last played opening night. Cleveland won 114 to 113 in Brooklyn. In that game, Struess had 27 in his Cavs debut, had 12 boards as well. Donovan had 27 on 11 to 21 shooting. Darius Garland had an 18, uh, or excuse me, Darius Garland had a 15 and five game. Isaac Okoro had 18 in that game. No Jared Allen in that opening night game as he was out with an injury. Mobley had 10 and six. Now it's Allen and no. Mobley for this one. Damian Jones, 11 minutes in that game, and then you just barely ever saw him him again. And Ty Jerome played five minutes and, again, have never really seen him again. So a different-looking Cavs team, at least a little bit on the edges here when they get to Paris. They're already there when they get to tip off in that game. It's, again, an afternoon tip. We'll have a recap up of that game as soon as humanly possible come later in the evening. That'll be it for today's Lockdown Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. That is Evan Damrell. Thanks again to Jake Stevens, as always. For his work on production again back at you tomorrow with more lockdown calves and covering calves nets from paris hey prime members you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on amazon music download the amazon music app today 